Welcome to the Truth Simply Put, the teaching broadcast vehicle of the Basilea Commission. On today's teaching by Alexander Victor, God's Word, rightly divided in the light of Christ, who is the central theme of the entire scriptures, will come with simplicity, precision, clarity, and power to instruct, admonish, edify, and build you up into the full measure of the stature of Christ. Now, let's dive straight in. The word of God. For therein lies my profiting. <laughs> For therein lies my profiting. First Thessalonians 2 and 13. First Thess 2.13. Look at this carefully. For this reason we also thank God without season. See the reason. Because when you received, say when you received, when the word of God which you heard from us. Paul tells the church, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. When you heard the word of God from us, you received it not as the word of men, but you received it for what it actually is, the word of God. Does that make sense? Yes, Put it up in the TPT. This is why we continually thank God for your lives. Because you received our message wholeheartedly. You embraced it not as the fabrication of men. But as the word of God. And the word of God continues to be an energizing force. In you who believe. Energizing force. Energizing force. The message. And now we look back on all this and thank God, an artesian well of thanks. When you got the message of God we preached, look at this carefully, you didn't pass it off as just one more human opinion, but you took it to heart as God's true word to you, which it is. God himself at work in you, believers. You didn't receive it as mere words of men. Because Paul says, I didn't come to you when I came with the enticing words of men's wisdom. But you received it as the word of God, which it is, and it effectively works in you who believe. A while ago, I taught a couple of teachings, the word, the power, and the believer. Again, it's something you should listen to over and over and over and over and over and over again. There were three statements I made. I said the word is power. Remember that? I said the word has power. And then I said the word releases power, right? The word is power, the word has power, and the word releases power. I then took time to also deconstruct the myth concerning the word logos. But everyone walks around and go, logos, Jesus is the logos, because John 1 always uses the word logos for, for the word word. Yeah, in the beginning, the word, the word word, Come on now. The word, word. Right? I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to rap. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Word. No, 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 I'm not. Yeah, the word, <laughs> the word, word. In the original language is the word logos. In the beginning was the logos. So now we have come to interpret it as though Christ is logos. Christ is logos. But Christ is not logos. Mm-hmm. 
Just like Elohim is not God. I said, stick around, you will learn, oh, you will learn. You will learn. They say, oh, I worship you, Elohim. No, you, you, it's his context that defines what Elohim is. Angels were referred to as Elohim. Yahweh is referred to as Elohim. We are referred to as Elohim. Mm-hmm. Ye are gods. Has it not been written? Ye are gods. The word there is Elohim. Sons of God came to present Elohim. Falling angelic demonic beings. Elohim. Oh yes. Oh yes. <laughs> God Almighty. Elohim. And you go, but how is that possible? Be careful what you are calling God. All these one million different things you want to call God. The name, the masquerade in your village has. You come and... The same applies to the word Elohim. Context defines it. Elohim doesn't automatically mean God Almighty. Even though he is referred to not more than three times, if my memory serves me right, does the word Elohim refer to God. First time, let us now make man. Us, there, is rendered Elohim. Capturing the Godhead. Do you understand? Which is why theologians have now tried to complicate it and make it seem like because some people actually believe that God called the angels and the 24 elders and said, come, let us make man. Just because the word for us is Elohim. Does that make sense? So they erroneously, if innocently, conclude that that us had to be God with all the 24 elders and the angels. That will make you the most confused creature. Because whose image really, really <laughs> do you have? <laughs> when he said, let's make man in our image. <laughs> so whose image really, okay, part of your DNA is demon, part of your DNA is angel, part of your DNA is 24 elders, part of your image is four living creatures, each one with four faces. You've been the most hybrid creature <laughs> ever created. And that's a theological conundrum. We know there's some waters that are too murky for us to be finding ourselves in. You can't sustain it. There's some, there's some arguments in doctrine you cannot sustain. Leave it. You know, we, everybody's keep looking for deep things. <laughs> you know? Looking for deep things, mysteries. So again, you look at it and what defines it? Context. How do you know that? You cannot understand the image of God from Genesis 1. Yes, sir. You cannot. You cannot. You have to follow through all of scripture and see what scripture is referring to when it says image. He is the image of the invisible God. We're not guessing what God's image is. Scripture defines it. Him. Because God cannot be seen. So Jesus is the God that can be seen. Does that make sense? Hebrews 1, 3, verse 2 says, Has in these last days spoken to us through the Son, who, verse 3, being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. 2 Corinthians 4 and 4. 2 Corinthians 4 and 4. You see that again there. 
whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. So there's no controversy. Christ is the image of God. Simple. So when God says, let us now make man in our own image, and we know that the image of God is Christ, who's bringing many sons into glory, and we are beholding and we are becoming, for as he is, so are we, then it only follows that let us refers to the Godhead before it was bodily. Before it was bodily. So let us refer to God, God. I don't want to use God the Father. God the Son, God the Spirit. I want you to understand it because you know most times you can say God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, and you have no idea what they mean. Are they three people? Are they one person? Is it half person here, one person here? You don't even know what it means. So I don't want to say God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You know, that's another story I don't want to go into because it's not even consistent in the rest of Scripture. It appears only once in that that passage. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Only, Only, and that passage is disputed in the original transcript. Because no other name has been given. No other name. God cannot lie. No other name is given other than that which is given. No other name. Whereby God highly exalted Jesus, Philippians 2, and gave him the name that at the name of Jesus. Not at the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. We don't baptize the name. I mean, what did Paul ask them? Acts 8 or Acts 9. He says, into what were you baptized? Say, baptism of John. Say, ah, no. That's, what's type and shadow? He now baptized them into what name? Father, Son, and Spirit? Jesus. So on the strength of all of this, we have to come back and look at this singular verse. Only verse that says baptizing them in Father, Son, and Spirit and explain what it means, if that's what it means. Are you here now? God the God. Not God, Father, Son. God the God. Let us now, Elohim, in that context. Let us, who mean God, Because there is only one God. Ephesians makes it clear. It's Ephesians 4 now. Verse. Go from 4. I need verse 5, but go from 4. Go from 4. Are you there? There is one body and one spirit. Just as you were called in one hope of your calling. It's one hope. Verse 5. One Lord. One faith. Stay stay in this next one. We'll come to it someday. DSTP, I've dealt with it a little. One baptism. One verse. Next line. I love God's word. I love God's word. It's beautiful. How many God? Acts 2. I said God the God, eh? That first Elohim. See verse 29. This is the first um, message, right? First post-Pentecost message. Peter's first gospel. Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David. They would then be like, mm-hmm, yeah. And if you watch know, this old movie, they're like, yeah, yeah, David, yeah. We know him, our ancestor. Something nice is about to be said about our ancestor. That he is both dead and buried. <laughs> and his tomb is with us to this day. In other words, what I'm about to show you now Cannot be about David. Yes, sir. Yes, because sir. David yes, is dead, though. Yes, See his tomb there. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 
that's the angle from which Peter was coming. Okay, so stay with me. 30. Therefore, I said, Elohim, God as God, eh? Therefore, being a prophet, as David now, and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him, David, that of the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he will raise up the Christ. David knew. He will raise up the Christ to sit on his, David's throne. Hmm? Well, that's what God promised David. Yes. Your throne will be an everlasting throne. Yes, sir. I wasn't lying. Yes, sir. So the root of Jesse, yes. the son of David, yes, sir. sits on the throne forever. Yes, sir. Yeah? God cannot lie because he's not a man. What he said he will do, what he said he will do. Yeah? He's not a man. So he, David's throne is forever. Because of the seed that David gave birth to. That Saul made a mess of. Because Saul did not receive a word. I'm coming. Because Jesus would have been that. Jesus. What Bartimaeus would have been shouting on the road to Jericho. Would have been Jesus. Thou son of Saul. Have mercy on me. Because you see all through scripture. I can, I'm trying to stay on Elohim. All through scripture. You see types and shadows revealing what is not visible. Do you understand? Did God not know that Israel will ask for a king? Did he intend for them to have a king? Did God not know that they will eat of the tree? Did he intend for them to eat the tree? I'm your king. They say no. Give us a king like other nations. I want to be your king. Give us a king like other nations. But I want to be. We, don't, we say we want a physical king. So we give them a king to lead to the king of kings. Because he knew, if I put this Jesus in any other narrative, we will not get there. Because it's the one I say you should not do. That's the one you want to do. So I put redemption in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Yeah? I put salvation in Jesus. Because I know it's Barabbas you will choose. It's not you. You don't need a king. You don't need a king. You don't need a king. But you will still choose that it's a king you want. Okay, it's a king you want. I will give you a king. Once I give you a king, it's an eternal king. But you will get a physical king, just like you got physical wine, even though you're not ready yet for the wine I came to give you. John chapter 2. So I will give you a king, yeah, a physical king, but you, I will give, okay. I mean, I want to be your king. We don't want to give us a physical king. I want to be your king. Give us a physical king, okay, I'll give you a physical king, and I will come through as your king. Because I will be your king. You're not going away from it. You are not spoiling my plan. You are not spoiling my plan. My plan is hidden inside your nonsense. You want a king, you will get a king. Once I give you a king, that's eternal. That's me coming as your king. But you take a physical one. So Saul was a token of God's eternal kingdom in that time. Saul did not receive it. So it wasn't effective in him. Because if Saul received it, he would not have stood before Samuel and said, Eh, I killed everybody in Amaleko. I, I, I killed all the animals. I just left a few nice ones to sacrifice. This is, what, this is how you know he didn't receive the word. To sacrifice to the Lord your God. That's how you know Saul didn't receive that word. Because he said to the Lord your God. He said the Lord, the God of Samuel. So he tore Samuel's robe and Samuel says, As you have torn my robe, so has the Lord torn the kingdom from you today. And given to another. And that was how the eternal kingdom 
left Saul's house to David. So he didn't receive the word. Acts chapter 2. Okay. I like doing it to you. See, here is that place. I like doing it to you so you can stay awake and stay alert. Because we're doing this together. Acts 2.30. So it's talking about David. Yeah? 30. We're in 30 now. Being a prophet and knowing, David knew, that God has sworn an oath to him that of the fruit of his body according to the flesh. In other words, a physical ancestry. Ancestry. Will rise, will raise up the Christ to sit on his throne, the throne of David. He, David, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades. So when David was saying, Thou will not leave my soul in Sheol or in Hades, it was not, it was not himself you're speaking of. Because when David was saying, Thou will not leave my soul in Sheol, David had not gone to Sheol, he was alive. You know, that's how David can be talking. He will exaggerate his issue. If you study the Psalms of David, Kai, David said, They have broken my bones. They have stretched me. They have done this. Meanwhile, you hardly lost a battle, sir. Why so dramatic? Want to do, O Lord, lift up my soul. Let, let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies. People were afraid of David. David carried hungry men from Ziglags. Hungry men and still went and took back their wives and children and their loot. Yeah. Flesh. <laughs> because most of those times, David's utterances were messianically prophetic. Yes, sir. In nature. Yes, sir. Are you here? Yes, sir. For seeing this, he spoke concerning the resurrection of Christ that his soul was, go on, not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. 32. Because if David was talking about himself, the argument in 29 is he's dead. His tomb is with us. This Jesus, look at this carefully now. This Jesus, God has raised up, of whom we are all witnesses. See this carefully. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he says himself, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand, and I'll be referring to you. So again, that cannot be referring to David, and if it was not referring to David, it cannot be referring to you. Keep going. Now look at this, this is where I was going, verse 36, carefully. This is a very doctrinally heavy thing. Therefore, let the house of Israel know assuredly that God, somebody say God, Somebody say God. God. Somebody say God. God. Has made this Jesus. Say this Jesus. Jesus. Which Jesus is this? The one that rose from the dead. Of which we are all witnesses. God made this Jesus whom you crucified. Lord and Christ. God made Jesus Lord. When he resurrected. I will teach you someday. That means Jesus was not Lord. Until his job was done. God made him Lord. It's in your Bible. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, Lord and Christ. Now, before this Jesus came, was the Word. The Word became Jesus. Jesus became Lord. Jesus became Christ. 
before Jesus became incarnate, because before Jesus became man, he was word. When he became man, Jesus, learned obedience by the things he suffered. Died, finished the work of the Father, resurrected for our justification. Remember that was when God gave him the name. Remember that was when God exalted him. Remember that was when he was made Lord and Christ. In the beginning, was Jesus there? (laughs) In the beginning, was Jesus there? Was Jesus there at the beginning? See what makes church fun? Because you have the spirit of God. He wasn't. Now, those of you that say he was, I understand why you say he was. Because the word was at the beginning. The word became flesh. Became. That's when there was a Jesus. But the word was at the beginning. The question now is how was the word at the beginning? If you have just agreed that Jesus wasn't there. We have agreed that Jesus was not there at the beginning. He couldn't have been because Mary gave birth to him. To become flesh. But the word was at the beginning. Jesus wasn't. The word was. How was the word at the beginning? In what form? Because if God made Jesus Lord and Christ. If the word became flesh. It means at the beginning there were no multiple thrones. For the Father, for the Son, for the Spirit. How can God be in three thrones and you say it's not three gods? That's why I am not the kind of person that calls myself this. I am a grace preacher. I'm a new creation preacher. I'm a Trinitarian. I'm a Unitarian. I'm a Calvinist. I, I don't do that. I just follow the word. Or Totomio. Let's be going. Whatever name you want to call me. I'm not even fit in any box. Who says? Are we created from box? <laughs> Why must I fit in one? But see, the problem with Trinitarians and the Holy Trinity is that you allude that there's God on the throne, the Son on the throne, and the Holy Spirit on the throne. So you're looking to see three thrones. It's not, it's not Game of Thrones. It's not Game of Thrones. Because there's, see, nothing is more dangerous. Look at me carefully. Nothing is more dangerous in Christianity than the doctrine of Trinity. I'm not teaching it today. I'm just showing you two things, Elohim and Logos. Nothing is more dangerous than Trinity. Because you can't explain it. How can you say God is God in three persons? One God. He distributes himself into three. That's three point three 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 Father. Okay, all three are 100% God. But the three of them is not 300%. 
Let's explain this. Let's understand it. So how was the word at the beginning? That's what will cause you to understand and appreciate the word or the concept logos. Because first, what is logos? Go back to the word, the power of the believer. Logos is the embodiment of the thoughts, processes, patterns, knowledge, and wisdom of a person. Logos does not exist in a vacuum. There can be no logos apart from a person to whom that logos belongs. Are you following me now? So Christ is not the logos in a vacuum. That God now has to borrow from to do something. You know, Holy Spirit has to borrow from. We also borrow from. No. Christ is the logos of God. Does that make sense? The logos of God. Let me use a contemporary term. Jesus, therefore, or the word, would therefore be regarded as the matrix of God. Do you understand the concept of matrix? Everything happening is happening in a place that is in a person. So if you watch Matrix, all of the movie Matrix happened in somebody's mind. And there was this complete world living, practical, tangible inside somebody's mind. You know, most people watch Matrix and don't realize the whole thing happened inside somebody's mind. And you could jump in and out, as it were, of that Matrix. It was alternate reality between this tangible reality and the alternate reality in that person's mind, Morpheus' mind. Make sense? That's logos. So all that God is capable of, all that God is capable of, all that God is able to process, all that God is able to do is captured in this body of work called logos. Does that make sense? I know all that I know right now, Alexander Victor. Right? If I haven't written a comprehensive book or journal that captures all of it, my logos remains with me. So now to get my logos, you have to get me. Because my logos is with me. My logos is in me. Does that make sense? So when I wake up one morning and I say, Oh, Alexander, where did you keep this thing? Who am I talking to? My logos. I'm questioning the me that is the embodiment of everything I know and think. Are you following me now? My logos is with me. My logos is in me. If I've taken all my logos, um, like a professor who is dying of brain cancer or something, and they now clone his brain and put into a drive or something, yeah, clone his his matter and put into a drive, I would not have said to myself, Alexander, why why are you like this now? I would just go and type where I kept the logos. And just refer to what I'm after. Does that make sense? All that God thinks, all that God will say, all that God is capable of is his logos. That logos is word. The word. That word was not in a body. Because there was no body. But in the beginning, God. There was no physical body. But in the beginning, God. Those four words are very important. In the beginning was the word. Where was the word? 
In God. With God. As John 1 says. Or in God. And then he says, it's not, it's, it's there, it's not hidden. Because my thought, my essence is with me and is me. I cannot be divorced from my essence. Does that make sense now? But I, I don't have a body. They, they, they can't see me. Because I'm spirit. So I have no legal tender in the earth. I cannot come to the earth and start doing humanly affairs because I am spirit with a logos. So now we, we, this is what we're going to do. We are going to create a body. I am going to remove my logos. How I process, how I remember, how I deliver, how I save, how I provide for, how I protect. I'm going to take all of that capacity Put it in the body. Okay, but we... we body. Pure body. You know, virgin. Get pregnant. By who? The spirit. How possible is it? The spirit is tangible. Power of the highest shall overshadow you. Yes, sir. Overshadow you. And you see, you shall carry, shall be known as the son of God. So let's send the boy, send the body. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And so now we have Jesus coming of Mary. We now implant my logos into him. When did that happen? How God, Acts 10, 38, anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit and power. What was that? Transmission of logos. So now he's, he's carrying my spirit. He's carrying my essence. In him, Jesus contains the spirit of God. In him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In him dwells the thought of God. He's for us the wisdom of God. He's for us the power of God. He's all in Jesus. It was all in Jesus. John came six months earlier. He carried small spirit. Jesus came. He took the fullness. When Jesus took the fullness of the spirit, there was no spirit to give anybody else. In Jesus, the fullness of the Godhead body, not some, not a portion of the fullness. So they walk with Jesus for three years. They are doing stuff because they are with Jesus. With Jesus. With the person who is carrying the fullness of God. With the person who is the logos of God carrying the spirit of God. Jesus answers them, You know what? If I continue to be here like this, it's not, it will not help you. Because all these spirits. Is inside me. In this body. This body is carrying the fullness. So I have to leave this body. Go back. Then now send you what is me. Into your body. The narrative of salvation. Take your time and understand it. So when I go back now, I finish using this body. I've done with the body what the body was meant to do. But I'm not the body. I'm now coming into your body. See, the Logos is bigger than flesh and blood. The Logos is the energy of God, the thought of God, the processing of God, the essence of God. That is the word. That is what does. That's why when Jesus came, he came doing what? Doing. Because he was the Logos made flesh. The Logos does. 
So when the logos entered a man, the man began to do. So what was doing? The logos in the man by the anointing. So Jesus without anointing, Jesus without logos was a regular carpenter and carpenter son. If he was already loaded, why did God need to anoint him? Because if you can tell me that Jesus was fully anointed and loaded and then he still needed God to anoint him, then you can justify why we should be having anointing service every month. Because after all, God had, Jesus had the fullness of God and he needed to be anointed. So you can have God and we went to announce every month. He received, that's what, what, how did we receive the same thing? You shall receive power after that day. It's the same way we receive it. The same way Jesus received it. Just as in the same way Jesus has entered immortality, is the same way we will enter immortality. Now we have it as a hope. That's why we are still dying in the flesh. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Do you understand? We are still dying in the flesh. You will still die. That's how you will cross the road anyhow. (laughs) Eh? You just see yourself on the floor. So you will die in the flesh because you don't have eternal life in the flesh. Your flesh cannot handle eternal life. Pav, what are you saying? Jesus, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. It's in your Bible. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. This container is too, too weak, too inferior to carry eternal life if we load it into you now. So you have to die or he has to return and you shed this body and take on the incorruptible. Then you can handle the fullness of life. That's why it's unto us now a hope. You have eternal life, but you will have eternal life. It's because you will have eternal life that you have eternal life. This, do you understand? This is a hope. It's a promise. I am eternal. Who is you that is eternal if you will die? The you that is eternal, the you that will live on when this body dies, is the word that Logos was before there was Jesus. Because you will die now. But when you die, you didn't die. You will continue to live. Who is you that is alive when you are dead? Do you understand my question? If when you die, you will live. Who is you that is living when you are dead? How, why, why, why do you believe you can live when you die? It's because you believe that there's more to you than your body. Now that you that will outlive your body is the logos that was there before Jesus. When a man dies, the Bible says, his soul goes back to his maker who gave it. His master, his maker who gave it. So God gave you spirit, breath, into your body. God created the body. Holy Spirit, help me. God created the body. It was lifeless on the ground. Into man. What gave the body life? God breathed into man the breath of life. That's you. Body. It did not contain you. He had to put you into your body. That's why when your body dies, he will retrieve the you back to himself that he puts in your body. 
Because you is bigger than your body. The Logos was God before a body. Or without a body. Or apart from a body. So it is, the Logos is with God. It is present. Nothing is happening. That's Logos. So you have a Logos. Hmm? You have a Logos. You have a Logos. You have a Logos. The unbeliever has a Logos. It's not Christ. You have a Logos. It's not Christ. You have to align and conform it to Christ. That's why he says be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove. Romans 12, 2. Then Ephesians 4 says in 23, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And then Philippians 2 says in verse 5, let this mind, allow this mind, which was in Christ Jesus, be in you. So the journey of sanctification is the journey of your logos becoming that of God. A.K.A. Willingness Consciousness. Now I know some of you are not getting this. I'm teaching because we're recording. You go back and go and listen to it. Even if you got it, you didn't catch it. That's the journey. The journey is you. Now you, you have, Because you have your thought. Before you got born again. You have your pattern. Before the spirit of God entered you. God entering you by his spirit did not delete your head. Did not reset your head. That's why sometimes your cables touch. And you misbehave because the head of God knows the touch. God knows the craze. So you can't say you are getting, you are crazy because you are like God. No. Do you understand what I'm saying now? So when you go crazy and you lose your mind and you act up, who is acting up? It's your logos. It's your own. To the degree that it is not yet conformed. Yes, sir. 2 Corinthians 10, 5 says, Casting down the majority on every high thing that exalts itself above the knowledge of Christ and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So full form. Ah, scripture is clear now. Ephesians 4, verse 12. You know, till we all come to the unity of the faith, the fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ. You have your stature. That's the problem. You need, to, you need to journey from your stature into the fullness of his stature. That's logos. So you have your logos. God has his logos, the word. So if you are going to prosper in the earth, you are going to allow him to give you. Acts 20, 32. Word of his grace. <laughs> that is able to build you up and give you or unbundling you inheritance. How does he do that? The word. The logos. The way that he was in God without a body and then entered the body of Jesus is now how he is in your body. In the person of the spirit. That will not profit your mind. Until you receive a word. But you have the word. Why do you need to receive a word? It's the same way that in the beginning was the word and there was nothing. Before we get to that last word, let's take the second word. I said, until I write something, my logos is with me. 
when I write something that captures all of my essence, my logos becomes tangible. All scripture is God-breathed. Or all scripture is inspired by the Spirit of God. 2 Timothy 3. And it's profitable. Enter the next word. Graphe. Graphe now is the logos of God captured in a book. This is not logos. Oh, blood of Jesus. You have dropped the word of God on the ground. May God forgive you for desecrating the word. Nobody, nobody can desecrate God. God who cleans people that are dead. God who says, come unto me, all ye. Oh, with all your nonsense, come to me. Then you do one thing and the thing makes God dirty. That God should be serving you. Come on, cheap God is that? God like your white shirt. So as we close now, somebody just come and hug me. The first person to hug me now has desecrated me. That's how you paint God. So God has to protect himself because it's how you touch me, go dirty. The God that cleanses mess, past, present, and future. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You now mess up when you don't jump out of your body and go. <laughs> Holy Spirit has left you. you. Can't handle your sin. You should not come back. You shouldn't come back. You should not come. He's not welcome here. He's not welcome here. I refuse him. I'm better off. You know, I had to go. It's not like I didn't love you. I loved you, but you know, I couldn't really handle it. was really bad. That's what your Holy Spirit tells you each time he runs away because you messed up. It tells you, no, I can't go through this nonsense with you. But even the old covenant said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Though you go through the fire, I will be there with you. You'll go through the water, I'll be there with you. He doesn't leave. He doesn't leave. So that word is in you. In the spirit. A word is now released now. Before the word is released, it's written. It's put down. In this. This doesn't contain God. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3, he said, the letter killeth. Yes. <laughs> yes, so the Holy Bible. No, no, there's nothing holy about this book. Mm-hmm. The Holy Bible. Mind how you hold it. It's holy. Hold it carefully. It's holy. It's a book. That's why David didn't say, Thy word have I seen on tablets. Said, Thy word have I hid in my heart. So it's written. Now, what does this do? This takes you on a journey into the logos of the writer. This is now the body of work written that captures the essence of the author. This is a body of work written that captures the essence of the author. Because everything God thinks, knows, feels how he operates has been captured in the graphe. The graphe, the written word. So the written word is the capture of the logos 
which is the essence of Jehovah. Does that make sense? So in the beginning, there will not be multiple thrones. There will be one. When you get to the day of the Lord, you will not see multiple thrones either. Until my own. For that thousand years. Because the throne you will have is only for 1,000 years. You're not going to... <laughs> I taught you at a eon at a eon. You rule and reign with him forever. It's 1,000 years. That's the end of that forever. So now Logos has been captured in the graphe. The graphe becomes, therefore, some sort of encyclopedia of the Logos. Everything about God his acts, his way, his nature, contained in his word, contained in his word, is written in a book that actually is a combination of many books. Does that make sense? Now, how many of you have ever seen a physical encyclopedia? Your, your parents had one on the shelf, multiple volumes. Yeah? Multiple volumes. They had like 16 volumes. It's Encyclopedia Britannica. Multiple big ones. Uh, how many of you have? I don't know about you. I didn't look into that any of those encyclopedia until my missions posting came out. Encyclopedia can be said to be somebody's logos captured in a graphe that did not profit me until I went into it, zeroed on a particular thing. Yeah. At the time I went in there, the logos in the graphe became to me a rema. Because a rema is not even a revealed word. It was not hidden now. It's captured in the book. So how can you say it's a revealed word as though it was hidden? Do you understand? You didn't need it. You didn't look for it. Doesn't mean it was hidden. It was there in the book. When they came out, they were not sure what Jesus came to do. What did he say? I come as it is written of me. In the volume of the books, I come to do your will. Why didn't they know? They didn't read. The God of this world had blinded their eyes. So the Logos, captured in the graphic, could not be a Rema to them. So contrary to them thinking the Rema is the revealed word, it's actually the released word for a particular situation. A released word received. That's when it prospers you. Does that make sense? So now, at the beginning, God, the Word, was with God, but there was nothing. And then as Victoria said, and God said, at the time he said, what was released? The Logos. Because Rema by itself is nothing. There's no Rema without a Logos. Does that make sense? But the Logos was present. It had not been released. The Logos was present with God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with. Are you receiving understanding? What did he say? Let there be light. So word consciousness is you zeroing from God to his Logos as captured in the graphe, released and received into your life as a Rema. That's when prophet will come. Because this is not scarce. It's the most published book in the world. Yeah. It's still the best-selling book in the world. Yes. It's not scarce. So the graphe is everywhere. Yes. But it's not profiting everyone. Yes. It's not profiting everyone. So the question, 
It's not does the word of God exist. Because everybody knows the word of God exists. Yes, sir. At least every believer does. Yes, sir. The question is, in my life, in what I'm going through, in what life is dealing with me on, what does the word say about it? When you arrive at this junction and get the answer, that is when you became a believer. A believer is not one who believes this. A believer is one who, like that encyclopedia, consults this over a particular matter. The day you get to the junction where you go, what does this word logos? Because it's not the Bible speaking to you. What does the word of God, God himself, as captured in the graphy, what does it have to say about when I don't feel like forgiving somebody? Then I see forgiving one another even as God in Christ forgive you and I close the pages of the book and instantly the grace to forgive flows. That was the day you became a believer. Is it every novel you read you believed? You are reading Harry Potter. You will see dragons flying in the room you are reading it. I'm, I'm serious. It is so graphic. But you know it's fiction. You are reading it and you saw, how you saw where it says, and, and Othello meandering across the parts of the garden. You will literally see the garden. Books are powerful. You are reading. You literally be transported. And you literally see the garden with lush vegetation. And you... You, you convince yourself you watched a movie. When a movie comes, you are angry with the people that did the movie. Because they didn't capture this movie the way you saw it. It's, it's crazy. Because in your mind, you have watched the real life of this book. The number in the movie is so cheesy. You are annoyed. So you don't have to think much of this book to read it. You don't. It's actually a very exciting read. This book, my God. You will laugh, you will cry, you will bleed, you will kill somebody, you bring them back to life. All kinds of things that happen in the world of reading this book doesn't make you a believer. Until you see this book as manual for life and living. Wait, what does God have to say? I know where he captured it in the book. And then each time you happen to life, you start to happen in the volume of the book. In the volume. I believe God's word. I believe if you said it, what does it say about what you are going through? In other words, if you are, if you are being tempest-tossed and all kinds of storms are raging and you have heard he says, you know that I am at peace. Hey, it doesn't matter what rages. You know that I am at peace because inside this encyclopedia, it's able to build me up and give me what is mine in this area. That's when it starts to respond to you. And then you see all the examples in scripture. John 6, 63. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> John 6, 63. I'm, I need 63 all the way to about 68. Look, it says here, it, Jesus is speaking, right? Jesus. He says, it is the spirit who gives life. 
the flesh profits. No, tell your neighbor the flesh profits nothing. Ah, uh, tell the other neighbors if they never heard it before, the flesh profits nothing. Absolutely nothing. Then he says, the words that I speak, the word released, they are spirit and they are life. They are spirit, pneuma, and they are life, zoe, ever-flowing life. Stay there. Next verse. I'm going to 67. But there are some of you who do not believe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, the words I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. But some of you do not believe. I will not ever be in the number of those that do not believe. Because again, believing is not recitation. Believing is saying that if I'm going to go to a place, it's like you, you have a sat nav, you know, on your phone, maps. And you just type that you're going somewhere, especially if you're driving. And you are following the map. You are trusting that the map knows where you are going. If you don't believe the map, there is a problem. But there are some of you that do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning, go on, who, were, who they were who did not believe. And who will betray him. 65. And he said, therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my father. 66. You all know this verse. From that time many of his disciples went back. I walk to him no more. 67. Jesus said to the 12, do you also want to go away? And they replied and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Now see 69. We have come to what? And know that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. John 15 and 3. We have come to know and believe that you are the Christ. These guys knew the law. These disciples knew Genesis to Malachi. They knew the logos in the form of the graphic. Yeah. But they said, now we have come to know. What was that at that point? Rema, epignosis. We have come to know and believe that you are the Christ. You are what was captured in this book. That, that Messiah that this book was talking about, we have come to see that is you. And that's good enough for us. We aren't going anywhere. Does that make sense? John 15, 3. John 15, 3. He says to the same disciples, he says, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. See, I can do a whole teaching on this verse. Because at this time, Jesus had not yet died. And it is the shedding of blood that brings about the forgiveness of sins. But Jesus says, if you dare to believe what I have said to you, you're already clean. It was how David laid hold of it. It was how Abraham laid hold of it. Because it is only the shedding of blood that brings remission of sin. And Jesus is speaking to them and said, you, you are, he didn't say you are clean. What does that mean? There's a cleaning exercise coming. I will die on the cross. I will wash away the sins of people that say, yes, you. The laundry is going to happen. Today is not laundry day. But even though today is not laundry day yet, you. Because you believe what I said to you, you're already clean. You're already clean because of the word I spoke over you. In other words, once you believe that I said you are clean, you are clean. In other words, take payment for what I'm going to the cross to do. Because you believed. That's what Jesus meant when he said, your father Abraham longed to see my day. 
He saw it and was glad. When he see it, when he heard the gospel and believed. Scripture, foreseeing God, Galatians 3.8, would justify the Gentiles. Preach the gospel to Abraham, saying, In thy seed shall the nations of the earth be blessed. And Abraham believed God. Not believed that God will give him a child. Yeah. Yes, Believing that God will give you a child does not give you salvation. Believing that God can cure barrenness doesn't get you saved of sin. Abraham believed God, not believed God's promise for a child. Abraham never asked God for a child. I've showed you before. Abraham never asked God for a child. He just asked God, what will you give me since I don't have a child? There's a difference. Hey, see now? He says, what will you give me seeing I go childless and the heir of my, of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? It was God that opened his mouth and said, I will give you a child and then I will give you a child. The same way he told him in John 2, I will give you wine and I will give you wine. Yes, so Abraham received Isaac as a token of the promise. The same way that you believe and you're already clean is the same way he looked at that leper when the four friends tore the roof and brought him in. And he saw faith. What did he see? What did he see? Faith. What does faith mean? Believing. Yeah. What did he tell the guy? The guy, your sins are forgiven. Somebody dead to believe. That way is how I know I have eternal life. Me, I am eternal. Me, Alexander, I will live forever. I have not experienced it, but I have. Because he said it. Hey, First Corinthians 15. He said, if the dead do not rise, then you are hopeless and your faith is in vain. Yes, so I believe. Because I believe I will have eternal life, right now I have eternal life. Because I have zeroed in on what the word of God says about my future. See, me, I'm, I'm interested in what happens after here. Do you understand? I'm not sounding like this because I'm not interested. I'm sounding like this because I found the answer to what I was interested in. How interested we are, we that believe in the grace of God, are not interested in what happens when we die. No, is 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 how interested we are that made us sit down and study this thing properly. After life is more precious. Is that preciousness of the? I, wait, wait, where are we going? <laughs> After we die, where? Let's know where we are going now. Let's answer that question now and know how to arrange ourselves. So I have eternal life. Because I have it. In the same way that somebody who had not yet had his sins nailed to the cross. Says you are already clean. Because of the word I spoke over you. Talking about clean by the word. John 17, 17. Jesus is praying for his disciples. And he says sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. Thy word is truth. So what sanctifies us? The word. You are already clean by the word I have spoken. I, I, I thought it's the blood that sanctifies us, that washes us clean. Remember the water and the word? Yes. Why did the blood come to be shed? The word. Jesus came in fulfillment of what was written. That prophesied and promised. The word. Because it's the word that prophesied and promised. We shall call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. Now, because the word promised that Jesus will save, Jesus now came according to the promise. 
That's why he says, I come in the volume of the book. In other words, I come according to how it has been promised I will come. So how come you are saved? His blood. The man that shed his blood came according to the rema he saw. Who shall go for us? Whom shall we send? Here I am. Sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. That's why it took the word becoming flesh to fulfill what the word had said he will do. Then you start to look at all the examples. Peter and saying, we've told all night and we've got nothing. <laughs> I'm a professional fisherman. I've done this for years, Jesus. I've seen you. You look like you, look, you look like you just hit 30. In your early 30s. There's some things you don't understand about Galilee. They were, Galileans were proud professional fishermen. Oh. Oh, Galileans were proud fishermen. That's why when they were up there watching on the Mount of Olives, watching Jesus go up, angels appeared to them and said, men of Galilee. They, they, were, they were proud, Galileans were proud people. Men of Galilee, why do you stand here? The same Jesus. The same way you saw him going. The same way he will come. Men of Galilee. So the guy says, we have been around here, man. We have been on these shores for decades, Jesus. We know a thing or two about fishing. Nobody fishes in the day. You fish at night when the seas come. Catch the fish. In the morning, you pack up and go to bed. And we've told all night and we've caught nothing. So if there were fishes in this river, I've seen them. At night when we should have seen them, they were not here. And he's washing his net. Nevertheless, at, 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 at your word. You look like somebody that perhaps might know what he's saying. It, it, it doesn't hurt to try your word. As soon as he said, at thy word, the rivers populated with fishes. The miraculous nature of it is such that you cannot say in a split second, for instance, fishes traveled up the Mediterranean Sea. All the way to the lake of Galilee. No, sir. Even a 13-mile journey crossing that lake. 13-mile, rather. 13-mile journey crossing the lake. The lake would have taken a few minutes, even for swimming fish. Like sardines. Sardines are very fast. Sardines are very fast swimming fishes. Even for sardines. So you cannot say that when God said, when Jesus said, cast your net. Then instead of swimming from wherever they came from. See, the word produced them. The word did them. Poio. The word just brought about fishes. The word was around Peter. He told all night. He caught no fish. So the word released over him. So your problem is fish, right? Cast your net. And from the word came fishes. Not from the water. From the word. Remember the fourth day? Let the rivers bring forth fishes. Genesis 1, day 4. Let the rivers be populated with fish. How did they happen in Genesis 1? At the word. Who created in Genesis 1? The word. Standing here and saying, cast your nets. I'm in charge of this water. this water. I run things here. There's no fish. I created the fish. It's because I created fish by the word that you can even know what fish is. 
to say that there's no fish in this water. Jesus was not saying cast your net because he knew there was fish. Uh-uh. That was not a factor. If I have said cast your net, fish has to respond. When you speak, a hundred billion galaxies above. Evolving in pursuit of what you say. Boom! Watch this. Who, hap- who did this happen to? Who did this happen to? Who did this happen to? How did it happen? At thy word. It's a ghost. No, it's, G- it's I. Peter said, eh, if it is you, speak, speak, speak. Because the guy had experience of what the word could do. It is you. Ah, just speak. Tell me to come. And as soon as Jesus said, Come, water hardened to carry Peter. Nothing suggested that the storm stopped. So, so picture the storm raging around the boat, but hardening under Peter. The word holding him up. Until he lost consciousness. It's all about the consciousness. It's all about the consciousness. Nevertheless, at thy word. Oh, this guy, he's built us synagogues. He's built us temples. He's been very nice to us. I mean, he's a Gentile. Granted, he's a centurion. But he's been really nice to us. And now his servant is sick. Jesus was like, oh, what a shame. It's not nice for a nice man's servant to be sick, isn't it? So, Jesus being Mr. Cool Guy, Jesus said, I will come and heal him. The Roman centurion story. Roman centurion said, no, 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 no. God forbid. <laughs> nah, 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 nah. Don't, don't, don't. Don't come. Don't come. Just, um, just say a word. Because I understand how this word thing works. I'm a man of authority, under authority, so I... Matthew 8, let's go there. Matthew 8. I'm a man of authority, under authority. I... 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 So what was the issue here? Saying. Roman centurion understood the place of speaking a word. To get something done. He says, I say to one, go, he goes. I say... To one comes, he comes, and they, they, they go and come because they are under my authority. Uh, and I am also under the authority of someone who says to me, go, and I go and says to me, come, and I come. And I understand your authority, therefore I know that if you say. Matthew 8. He didn't say if you say a prayer. He didn't say if you declare healing. Verse 8. And children and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only a in the in the original language can be rendered as any, not a specific word. Because see, Jesus did not speak healing to the Roman centurion's servant. He didn't. In fact, Jesus left the matter at hand. But you see, speaking word of my servant to be healed. Keep going. For also I'm a man of under authority having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go. And he goes. 
And to another, come. And he comes. And to my servant, do this. And he does it. Ten. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have never found such great faith. Not even in Israel. Now, go back to the beginning of verse 10. Please watch carefully. Jesus said to who? Not the Roman centurion. So picture the Roman centurion standing here waiting for Jesus to answer him. And Jesus turned to those who were following him, his disciples, and starts talking to them. And he said, that's what's important. Said, I assuredly I say to you, keep going. I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Keep going, verse 11. And I say to you, who is you? Those who followed him. That many will come from the east and the west and sit with, down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. And Centurion is like, how thou one? Take or sign me and my servant that is dying. In the kingdom of heaven, uh-huh. Next verse. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 13. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. Look at that statement. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. You know, many will come from afar, east, and the city of Abraham. You know, sons of the kingdom will be there. Jesus was speaking. The guy was healed. Jesus did not speak healing. But the Roman centurion understood that if this man just speaks, things happen. So, so I'm here. Just, just be talking. Just be saying. Just, just, be saying say, just be saying a word. Just be speaking. As you are speaking, stuff is happening. As you are speaking, stuff is happening. And you are speaking. And the guy was healed instantly. A vision appeared to Peter. Arise, kill and eat. Say, God forbid. <laughs> Three times. <laughs> I'll end here. <laughs> Acts 10. He said, God forbid. God said, eat. He said, no, I can't eat. Why? God said I should not eat anything unclean. <laughs> God, oh. Say, no, but God is you. I <laughs> said, my friend, don't call anything unclean that the Lord has made clean. What was God showing him? How grace will come to the Gentiles. He says, now get up and go. Time to read all of it. Went and he went to Cornelius' house. Hey, I love that story here. Eh? Acts 10. There's no time to read all of it. So Peter is there, as always. When Peter got born again, any chance Peter gets, he will tell you how you kill Jesus. <laughs> he came to save you. You didn't recognize him. You're not kidding. I see Peter was angry or pain. He was paining Peter. If you read Peter's first sermons, he would so see you killed Jesus. <laughs> you came to save you, killed him, but he saved you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he used to really pain because who fought for Jesus to not be killed? It was Peter now. Say so three days, Peter saying, "What's wrong with you?" <laughs> not be speaking things like that, but just getting to know you, settled in this ministry. You know, <laughs> you're not saying you want to die. Let me say this like that. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. So he goes and he starts his narrative again. You know, he starts and he's going on and on and talking about Jesus and talking about this and talking about that. And, and the Holy Spirit was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Holy Spirit is there. Peter was yet speaking. The Holy Spirit just descended upon Cornelius. 
while he was yet speaking his words. The Bible says, Acts chapter 10. The Holy Spirit came upon Cornelius and his entire household. And they were filled with the Spirit. And Peter was not talking about being filled with the Spirit. He was just releasing. All you need to do is be conscious of the word. What does the word of God say about this? What word has been released in this matter? That was the end of the problem. The day the word was released and you received it. That's the end. It's not a prayer. It's not a prayer. It's not a seed. It's a consciousness. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's a consciousness. That the Logos has breathed over my issue. In his, in his word, in the graphe, the spirit of God takes that and brings it to me as a rema. The moment I see it, that's the end. What I struggled with before that point ceases. Supply issues cease. Addiction issues cease. Doubt issues cease. Fear issues cease. Complex issues. Personality issues. What's going on around me? Work issues cease. Because the word has come forth. So it doesn't matter what's going on around me. Nevertheless, at thy word. That's when you are a believer. So believe today. Believe today. Repose your faith in what his word says. His word is him. That's why it doesn't return void. It has to do. That's what the word does. It does. <laughs> so allow the word to do the work. When we say his divine power has given you all that you need, it means that a word has gone ahead of everything you will ever need. That's what it means. And when you come upon that word, the word gives you your inheritance, gives you what is yours in that area. So don't despise God's word. Love it. Love it. Love it with all your heart. Makes all the difference. Hallelujah. Have you gotten this at all? Yes, sir. Come on, give God praise for his word. Well, that's it for today's teaching. We trust it has been worth your time. For more of these messages from our stables, kindly subscribe to our teaching podcast at www.thebasileacommission.podbean.com or via the Podbean app on your mobile device. For inquiries and further information, kindly send us an email to info at thebasileacommission.org or find us on social media with the handles at the truth simply put or at while the church. You can also send us an SMS, call us, or connect with us via WhatsApp on plus two three four seven zero triple eight one double eight six four. Finally, if you would like to give to support the work that we do, kindly follow the Patreon link in our podcast or contact our office for details. Thank you.